Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Okay, hello, my friends. Those of you I haven't met, welcome. It's nice to see you. Um, For those of you who I have met, thanks for showing up again. Um, I am excited to spend time with you guys, but also spend time with the Lord and spend time in His Word today. Um, Does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Who was here? It's not a test. It's okay if you don't remember. I'll just take that as a note. You're not going to remember anything I say. (laughs) I can't remember when I spoke. (laughs) The disciples went over the lake. Oh, yeah. Kelsey, yeah. Yep. The disciples went over the lake and... um, yeah, that's great. So uh, I, I guess I, I bring that up, but um, the passage we're going to read today is sort of an interesting one because Mark pulls it out as a highlight, and Mark typically writes in chronological order, so we have this sort of story narrative. Um, and in this particular passage, he's pulling something out, and he's not really telling us as much about like where we've gone, what we're doing, where we're going. Um, it's sort of a a highlight. Um, So I'm excited to dive in. It's Mark chapter 7. So if you have a Bible um, or if you have your phone, um, let's turn to Mark 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 23. Would anyone like to read that out loud for us? Thank you, Lauren. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. That is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Hmm. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. 
Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Thanks be to God. Um, I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for you, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Um, I pray that that would illuminate this text to us so that we would see what it is that you want to speak to us about today, about your nature, about your goodness, about your truth and your wisdom, and the ways to live. And so we praise you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in true Bible study fashion, we are going to break up into some groups and pick this apart a little bit. And so I'm going to assign you a question um, to look at this text and try to answer with a few people around you. So if you would make some friends, look around, we're gonna get in groups of maybe four or so, maybe three, um, and spend some time taking a look at this text. I'm gonna give us five minutes and I'm gonna ask groups of four on this side of the room, what does this tell us about God? And groups on this side of the room, what does this tell us about man? Uh, So go ahead, get into groups of four and I'll let you know when we're done. You have about one minute left. All right, let's wrap up. And I'd love to hear what it is that you have gleaned from this passage. All right, so, I'd love to hear a bit about, uh, from you guys first, about what does this tell us about God? Is there a representative from this group who wants to share a little bit? We touched on a couple things, but like, uh, he's using really strong language here, um, like in his kind of story where he's at, he's, he's addressing a big ticket item here, he's like, all of the rules that you all know and have, have thought were the way of, of God is to be, like, it's wrong, and you mm. guys need to really I think like he's really bold and he's taking like a bold stance against um, a big thing that's going to upset a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, you're right about that. Upset a lot of people. Thank you. How about this group? Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's a good highlight um, on God's authority. That's really good. How about this group? Um, so we talked about how God was, or Jesus was really bringing them back into an understanding of what holiness was, mm. and that God wasn't so interested in um, the religious activities and all of the requirements that they were piling on each other, even beyond what the law said. Mm. But he was really caring about 
defiles you, but then that really that needs to be cleansed. Yeah. yeah. Defined as, as Thanks for summing up my sermon. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. That's so, and it's so true. Not that what you all have shared isn't, isn't important too, but um, I think that's the highlight. Uh, but we'll get there. Thank you for sharing. That's really good. How about the group in the back? Oh, let's go. Let's move on to people then. Great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It definitely is. It's uh, very, it's like when someone really calls you out on something and you're like, oh man, they're so right. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. How about this group in the front? What does this say about people? I think one thing you brought up that I like is that people are complicated. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, we have, the nature of man is disappointing sometimes, but um, yeah, to see those specific things being represented. Thank you. How about this group here? It's a, it's really insightful. Yeah, that, uh, the, those two different things that actually matter here, it's the heart and the actions. Okay, my last group. What does it say about people? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Another highlight from my sermon. Thank you. Um, this is this is really good stuff. And these little, um, I feel like snippets are a piece of this whole puzzle that I'd like to try to help us put together today um, out of this passage. I don't know if this is the first time you're reading this. Um, it wasn't necessarily the first for me, but it was certainly... Um, a passage I realized I sort of glaze over a little bit and focus in on the things I understand. Um, And it took me quite a long time to dig in deep. And Tom, uh, as a coach in sermon teaching, says, don't go to the commentaries until you've really heard from God. And so that's what I did, but it took me a very long time. (laughs) And once I finally got to the commentary, I was like, oh, finally, this makes so much more sense. So God can speak no matter what. But I'd like to maybe give us a little bit of um, learning about Jewish tradition and the Torah and what were the Pharisees actually upholding, because it really 
it was very helpful for me and I think it's helpful for us to understand what is Jesus really calling out here um, because I was confused. I was thinking Jesus is calling out the Torah and he's coming to abolish, but wait, didn't he fulfill it? Um, and so I'd like to share with that, share with you all about a little bit of that. Um, if you're willing to learn a little bit and kind of get a little, a little technical here, you guys up for that? Okay. Um, so we sort of know that the Pharisees are the guys who are uh, upholding Jewish tradition and law, specifically within the um, kind of religious and the things you have to do to be holy, to be um, clean. And when we look back at where that came from, um, they're doing this because God handed the Torah to Moses and said, here are my commandments and um, here are ways to live that help you to be clean and continue to be in my presence. And so the Pharisees, that's not a bad intention to help people keep up their uh, cleanliness and keep them close to God. And so we see that their intentions, I would say, probably aren't bad uh, from a sort of initial sense. Um, what we have to see here and we have to learn is that what the Pharisees were actually holding up was not the Torah. They were holding up a law or a tradition of the elders from ages and ages ago, an oral tradition that had evolved from the original clean, unclean when it comes to the Torah. And so, for example, the Torah um, asked that any priest entering the holy tabernacle must be cleansed before they can enter. Makes sense um, for the time and the place. What the Pharisees had done is taken this to many, many iterations of that and said, not only do you have to wash your hands, as we see here, this is what they're actually calling Jesus and his disciples out on, you have to wash your hands before you eat. But they even said that you were unclean and you needed to wash if you interacted with a Samaritan or a Gentile, or if you touched the holy book of scripture that's in a translation other than Hebrew. And so this is important to see that this was not a law of God anymore. This was a law of man. Again, with maybe a, an initial intention that was good, but it had become something of their own. And that is actually, that's what Jesus says. He calls it a tradition of men, not a tradition of God. Um, I think it's also helpful for us to know that in the day that this gospel was written, the Jews would actually be a group of people sort of nestled into many, many other cultures. It wasn't like they were off by themselves and sort of keeping each other accountable because there was no other outside influence. They were in the center of sort of this uh, Roman society, and there were many, many other religions, many, many other belief systems and, and ways to sort of be unclean that you could have been interacting with every day if you were a Jew. And so, again, the Pharisees had reasonable intention. I mean, any, any of us who desire to go out and, and uh, pick up the groceries might, on their way, be tempted by, oh, maybe I'll just pick up dinner instead, and I won't bother to kind of complete my mission. And so the Pharisees are helping the Jews stay on track. But what the Torah didn't offer and what the Pharisees were trying to do is not just translate what it is that God says, but how it should be carried out. 
And that happens to us a lot, right? We see God's word um, give us a command and then we're like, wait a second, what does God say about dating? I don't really know. He doesn't have specifics. Um, and so when, when we look here, we have to remember that these Pharisees are calling Jesus out and had been calling out the people of God about their own ideas, their own traditions, the things that they had erected almost in place, I would say in place of God. And that's a big deal. So um, I don't know if you guys have any traditions that you celebrate. We just had the holidays, so there's probably many. Um, One tradition that I grew up with was my parents made pork and sauerkraut on New Year's Day. And um, my mom called me on New Year's Day and says, um, oh, how's the pork and sauerkraut coming? (laughs) And uh, I was feeling really guilty because I hadn't made it. I didn't even have the stuff for it. And I was like, oh, well, um, I'm not sure. I I don't think we're going to have it this year. And I started feeling really guilty. I really felt guilty. I felt bad. Um, And I felt like I'm not holding up these traditions that are part of my family. And I have these memories of my sister when she was little, my mom being like, you can't get up from the table till you eat one black eyed pea or else you won't have any luck throughout the year. Um, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have no luck. Maybe no, our, our finances are gonna be really off because doesn't it have to do with like wealth and money and prosperity? And then I thought to myself, I don't like pork and sauerkraut. <laughs> I just don't like it that much. I'm not gonna make it. And you know what? I am free. I do not have to make this meal today. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a silly example, but it's something that I really had never thought about. But the thing that my mom unintentionally brought to me was guilt. I was feeling bad. I don't think she wanted me to feel guilty. I think she was excited to share in a tradition that we had upheld and my one-year-old daughter was going to get to taste her first black IP and be lucky all year. Um, so I think it's a, 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 an example of what the Pharisees here, uh, maybe they did have harder hearts. I think that might be true. But if you can think of any traditions in your world, um, what, what does it evoke in you? What, what do, how does it make you feel when you um, uphold those things? And what happens if you don't? Um, And I think that's something that is worth considering um, when we look at this passage. Um, I think, to to your point, um, when we look at this scripture, Jesus' language is very bold. I mean, he does this a lot. Sometimes I'm like, man, Lord, I just want to hear your intonation when you say these things, because are you the kind of person that's like, you hypocrites? Or is it like, you hypocrites? Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how he said it, um, but it is, it's a bold thing to say, especially to, one, these religious leaders who are helping keep the flock sort of in the boundaries, but also calling out these leaders who have created their own fence around the flock rather than where is God's fence around it. And so Jesus is breaking down walls here in the hearts of the Pharisees and also, I think, for all of the Jews here to consider what are the things that I 
have to do or I think I have to do in order to be clean enough to be close to God. Um, and the Pharisees are doing it with a lot of zeal. Like my mom called me with a lot of excitement whenever she um, wanted to know if I was holding up the tradition of my family. I think the Pharisees are the same way. But where is that energy focused? It's not focused on what's pleasing to God. It's focused on what's pleasing to men. Just think about that for a second. And Jesus actually says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the tradition of men. He, he's saying that you actually let go of the thing that he tried to bring and you're clinging to something else that's not him. And that, for me, that's, that's a kind of a scary thought. Um, so he, he kind of dives in a little bit and um, gives us an example. I don't know, is anyone, has anyone uh, done any research or know anything about this concept of Corban? Does anybody know anything about that? A little bit. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know a whole lot um, myself. And so whenever I sort of dug in to learn a little bit, he is using this passage to highlight a very specific example of how this is this idea of, okay, we're holding up the tradition of, tradition of men, not of God, um, and how it plays out. This example of, we know from the Torah, from the commandments of God, he says, honor your father and mother. And again, this doesn't really tell you exactly how this should look. And so the Pharisees decided we will implement this concept of exactly how this happens. Now, Corban is supposed to be the idea that you give something of yours to the church. Anyone, anyone given to a charity before? There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to give to the church. Um, or give to a charity or give to people in need. But what it also meant was that the thing that was given became not usable. It was not accessible anymore. And so applying this to the command of honor your father and mother, the Pharisees are saying, oh no, give your things as korban. This meant that anything that a child maybe wanted to give back to their parents at, to honor them could no longer be used or, or utilized by parents, maybe in their old age. Maybe they needed a house to live in, but the uh, Pharisees had encouraged uh, the children to give their house over to the church, and so your parents are homeless. Is that honoring to your father or mother? No, that's not. And who gains? Who profits from that? It might feel like the church is really going to profit, but who ultimately does? Whose idea profits? The traditions of men. The Pharisees had put this in place. And by the way, if you wanted to change your mind, like, oh, I actually want that money back that I gave to you, or I want that house back, you had to pay a very high fee um, to get that back. And so this left something very different than I think what God intended when he said, honor your father and mother father and mother are not being honored and the children have thought they thought they were doing something right and good for god but they had been led astray 
So I think, I think that's helpful to kind of know a, a little bit here. And what Jesus says about that, he says in verse 13, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. Do we want God's word to come back null and void? No. We have scripture that says, don't let your word come back null and void. And so, again, a highlight of what are the Pharisees doing here and what are they trying to uphold? Traditions of men. Some structures that they have built to show and represent God. And it doesn't. It just doesn't. Um, So Jesus declares kind of what's going on here to the crowd. And he... um, He kind of, you know, says, FYI, it's not the things on the outside that make you clean. It's the things on the inside. And then he goes back into a house and says um, to his disciples, hey, guys, do you get this? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? Um, And I think uh, I, I, I will tell you what the commentary said about kind of this are you so dull thing that he says to his disciples and for me i was like that's kind of a mean thing to say like jesus why are you calling them dull um but sort of the image that was painted was it is like a dog looking at his master's finger when he's pointing at the object rather than the object itself and which is helpful for me for him to for, to see okay jesus isn't like there's something wrong with you but there is something wrong with all of us that's why we need jesus but um in this in this situation the disciples are just sort of being called hey refocus look at what i'm actually trying to say and then jesus really does clarify himself at the end of this passage that is really kind of amazing um i think this is like praise god for the fact that he brings this new concept this new idea in place of this construction that the Pharisees had built, he says, no, actually, none of this matters. What really matters to me is what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come this whole list of things. And all these evils come inside, come from inside and make a man unclean. So many of you already have pulled this out um, from the scripture, but God is actually saying what what does god actually care about does he care about the things that we do does he care about these x's these y's these things on in our everyday life yes but he cares more about our hearts and he wants our hearts to be clean he wants our hearts to be cleansed it's you can wash your hands as many times as you want but how do you wash your heart and so that's the question. Does anyone have any answers to that? Like, how do you wash your heart? Oh, that's always the right answer. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, just say Jesus and you've got it. Um, sometimes. <laughs> um, but this is a big deal. This is refocusing the effort and this is refocusing um, what it is that the Jews have been working towards for a long, long time. This should refocus what we are working towards. And maybe, maybe we even look at, um, like, what is it in our own, in our own life that is a tradition of man? Maybe it's because you get up every day and you read your Bible and 
go about your day and you're like, yes, I checked the box. I'm a good Christian. I've done this. There's nothing wrong with reading your Bible. In fact, we are supposed to dwell in God's word. But what is the heart behind it? What is it that Jesus calls out? Maybe that's arrogance, is what this says. I'm not saying that any of you are arrogant because you read your Bibles. Please don't hear that. But I think it's worth letting the Lord examine our hearts to know what is the intent behind our actions and what we do. Um, I want to tell you a story about, does anyone know who Keith Green is? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Keith Green. <laughs> okay, so uh, he's a he was a prophetic musician. Um, I'm reading his life story, written by his wife. Keith Green um, hosted many concerts and uh, was the conduit of revival in places around the country. Um, he uh, preached the good good news. Um, he died tragically at a young age um, as well. But um, I am so inspired by this book. I don't know if you've read his book, but you should. Um, It is fantastic. Um, But he writes, when he's about four years into becoming a Christian, he writes about um, feeling like the weight of the ministry that the Lord has given him is too heavy, and he has to get founded in the scriptures and in prayer more than ever. And so he makes a vow to God and says, I am going to pray every day for one hour and read 10 chapters of your word every day um, because he, he needed that strength. He needed that foundation in order to hold up just the crazy, miraculous things that were happening and also the things that he was being asked to say to God's people. Um, days went by and he missed uh, the full hour or he didn't quite finish all 10 chapters and he started to slip into depression um, because he didn't feel like he was good enough and he was breaking his commitment that he had made to God. Um, He went and sought out some mentors and some um, leaders to say, I'm just not doing enough and I'm breaking my commitment to the Lord to help. He's helping me build this foundation for the ministry that he's giving me. And one of his mentors said, you are living under condemnation from yourself. God is not condemning you for not upholding this vow that you have made to him. You are condemning yourself. And that brought just a wealth of peace. He felt free because it was a realization that he was doing things upon his own strength. And so I... I just want to read um, a journal entry um, that he wrote just after this experience of being freed from condemnation um, sort of came to him. Um, And he writes this in July of 1979. For the first time in months, I awoke with peace, real peace. I can seek the Lord now for an angel from God has come to minister to me. I love God so much. My heart overflows with quiet, gentle joy. My eyes water with tears for the peace in my soul. My faith is refreshed. My desire to commune with God and intercede for souls is renewed with power. My thirst for God's word has greatly increased. 
The prison doors have swung open of themselves. The shackles have fallen off to the ground and my heart is bursting with joy and hope. Oh, I can hope again. Jesus, I'm so grateful that there was no formula, no secret way to regain my peace. No amount of Bible reading or forced prayer time on my part brought this state on. But you, in answer to the desperate crying out of my heart, came and rescued me from the bondage of works and self-spirituality. I want to glory in your presence, and you want me to share in your glory, but only as a gift, not as a result of my efforts, but as a result of your goodness, mercy and love for me. Thank you for helping me hang on. So I don't know exactly what God wants to say to each of you today specifically, but maybe he wants to speak to you about some self-made traditions that you have put in place for yourself. And maybe he wants to break those traditions down and rebuild them together with him again. Maybe, maybe there is uncleanliness in your heart. There's uncleanliness in all of our hearts, as Matt pointed out. We all, we all need Jesus. But what can Jesus do? He can refresh our hearts. He can bring renewal to our hearts. How do we clean our hearts? We know how to wash our hands, but how do we clean our hearts? Jesus. He is a wellspring of refreshing life. He has purified our hearts by faith. And so, so maybe Jesus wants to talk to you about that. Maybe he wants to renew your heart. Maybe you have never spoken to Jesus at all or, or put your faith in him. And maybe, maybe this is a first for you in that you do seek a life of, of a healed heart. And Jesus can offer that. So I, I would love to pray and spend just a little bit of time um, not long. I'm not going to force you all to do this, but I think it's worth allowing the Lord to examine us where we're at and let him speak. What is it that you have put up around your spiritual life or just in your life in general that needs to be broken down by him? What is it in your heart that needs to be renewed? So I'll just pray. Feel free to join me. God, we do thank you for you. We thank you that you speak. We thank you that you love us. We thank you so much that you are willing to break down any wall that we've put up that actually blocks you from our view, and that you're willing to break those walls down. We thank you that our hearts, even with the best intentions starting out, might not have the best intentions right now, today. And we ask God for a cleansing of our hearts again. Yes, um, and again and again. We're going to screw up. Our hearts are going to desire evil things. We're going to walk through life with arrogance. We might 
unintentionally be deceptive, but that is, God, what we want to be revealed because we know that you have an abundance of grace that you want to pour out upon us and your love lavishes us. You, we don't come to you with, with, with these evil hearts that um, just to be turned away by you, you receive us and you receive us right now. We thank you for that, God. And for any of us who have never um, really experienced this um, fullness of, of renewal, um, this heart change, I just pray for you. And I say thank you, God, that you desire every one of our hearts to be filled with you, to be changed, to be hearts that turn towards Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen.